and welcome to another episode of Where We Belong, Women of Asphalt podcast. My name is Debbie Novak. I uh, work for Missouri Petroleum Products here in the St. Louis area, and I also serve on the board for National Women of Asphalt and as our chairwoman for Women of Asphalt Missouri branch. I'm Nicole Engelhardt, and I'm from Missouri Asphalt Women's Association, and I am also a member of um, the National Women of Asphalt and the Missouri chapter as well. Today we have a very special guest with us, Shirley Norris. Thank Hi. you. Hi, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you all and thanks for having me. Thank you for having us. We appreciate your time. Um, to get us started, we uh, we really are moved by your story and we're so excited to, to uh, share your story with others. Um, but you obviously work for Missouri Department of Transportation in St. Louis. And I know it's not polite to ask a woman's age, but would you mind sharing with us your age? How Everybody long you've worked else here? Knows. <laughs> this I was 92 early February this year. Okay. And how long have you worked for Missouri Department of Transportation? Early February this year, 45 years. Nice. Nice. And what do you do um, at MoDOT? Um, I am a project manager, which means that I am responsible for getting plans developed to be um, awarded. Um, and I work with a design team for consultants to do that. Okay. And do you love what you do? Yeah. <laughs> I would hope so. You've been here long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Sirley, tell us a little bit more about your um, yourself, like your personality, and um, like how many grandchildren and children do you have? Well, let's start with the children. I have three children, two of which had children. That makes six grandchildren. And now I'm up to six great-grandchildren. Mm. I thought I was never going to be a great-grandmother, but they finally started <laughs> giving me something to look forward to. That's like amazing. Babies. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Love yeah. it. So did you have, like, any children that went into engineering at all? Oh, Yeah. My son is uh, the oldest, and he's an engineer. He went to what they now call with Missouri SMT Rollo, mm -hmm. and um, then he went on to get an um, MBA at um, KU. Uh, my oldest daughter is uh, not only a graduate engineer, but also a lawyer. She got, has a legal degree. Oh, by the way, she's retired. <laughs> which is she retired a, before you three years ago by the way uh my youngest daughter is, is uh wouldn't have anything to do with with engineering she was sick of hearing about it so she's a physician's assistant nice. so yes i do have two engineers in the family what about your grandchildren what are they pursuing any kind of career in engineering um, as well one well, the three oldest grandchildren, uh, one has um, got a PhD in medicinal chemistry. I don't understand a word she says. <laughs> and um, the other one is, uh, the next one is, he's dedicated to music. He, he's a, a xylophone and marimba and um, high school bands and drum lines. And he was born making noise on a table. <laughs> Uh, the oldest one is in the, that oldest grandson is in the banking business. Okay. okay. So, yeah. Uh, my other three are younger. One of them, 
Uh, the oldest one has a degree in psychology and works as a counselor. Um, the two, her two brothers, one of them is not academically oriented, so he works out in, in he's a mechanic, mm -hmm. and that's his thing. Mm -hmm. And then the youngest one just graduated from school and went into a medical ethic, yes. which is a whole new thing. I don't understand what he talks about either. So. <laughs> then they don't understand me either. <laughs> well, at least you guys have conversation, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it sounds like a very rich, fulfilling life you've lived to the, yes. this point. Yes. Yes. So. I've been very blessed. Yeah. Very sounds blessed. like it. That's amazing. Um, I, so most little girls don't dream of going into asphalt. You know, when I was playing with my Barbie dolls as a little girl, I wasn't playing asphalt plant. Um, so what made you go into the asphalt industry? Well, actually, I'm really not in the asphalt industry. This is true. You are in DOT. I yeah. am in the DOT, but I got introduced to the word asphalt early on in my career because we use it in our project. Mm -hmm. So as a project, well, first of all, as a designer early on, and now as a project manager, I really have to keep up with what the industry is doing to be sure we have the most current things in our plan. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of help in MoDOT to do that. I mean, I'm not constantly calling you all to find out what's going on. We have other places to do that. But that's um, I always knew about asphalt because it's on the ground, yeah. you know, yeah. but as far as being involved with it, it wasn't until I came to MoDA. Mm -hmm. Not yet. Hmm. Mm -hmm. So as a teenager living through World War II, like how did you see the war affect women in the asphalt industry? Well. <laughs> or just in the workplace in general. Yeah. In the workplace yeah. in general. First of all, you're right. I was a teenager in World War II. I was more worried about being able to get shoes and, and that kind of stuff um, and, and going to high school. But what I do vividly remember, and you all may if you heard it in the history books, is there was a lot of women went to work in the um, airline airplane mm -hmm. factories. And we were using rivets in them. They were using rivets. So Rosie the Riveter was a big deal. Mm -hmm. And um, that's mostly what I remember from it because I wasn't directly involved with it, you know, just uh, trying to keep up with what was going on as a teenager. Yeah. Well, uh, obviously working in a male dominated field and coming into a male dominated field, what challenges did you have to overcome? <laughs> Don't give me <laughs> I first of all had to convince people that it was okay for a girl to go to engineering school. Mm. Um, that 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 was no small task. Um, again, I've used this expression before. The stars all lined up for me. Um, I when I when I was about ready to graduate and realized that I wanted to be an engineer, I applied to Rolla. Um, Vanderbilt and Vanderbilt because my dad had a branch office his business down there in Nashville and my mom I was an only child and my mom and I traveled with him in the summertime so I knew it and he had a friend whose daughter went there and the man she took me around the campus that was where I wanted to go and then I applied to Northwestern 
I got accepted at Rolla. I got accepted at Northwestern and rejected at Vanderbilt. Well, that didn't set well. Yeah. <laughs> but my friend's daughter at the time, have you, I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but every school of the university had a dean, mm -hmm. as well as a dean of women and a dean of men. Well, of course, and a dean of engineering. Well, my application went to the dean of engineering and um, as it turns out, not to the dean of women. But when my friend's daughter found that out, she went to the dean of women and the dean of women was way ahead of her time and said, we'll see about that. <laughs> In the meantime, if you've heard of the school called Georgia Tech, mm -hmm. um, it was all men. I think it may even still be. I'm not sure about that. But uh, the president of Georgia Tech had five children. The four oldest were boys and the fifth one was a girl. His four boys didn't make it and he couldn't admit his girl because it was all, all male. And he chose Vanderbilt. Well, if the dean was going to let Colonel Van Leer's daughter in, mm -hmm. the dean of women said, uh, excuse me, what about this other one? And there was a third one from Chattanooga who replied. So the three of us, the Chattanooga girl did not finish. The colonel's daughter did finish. She became, she was a chemical engineer. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant girl. And became very well known in her industry, you know. She began working long before I came back to work. So, no, those were my obstacles. Yeah. But something, I often think about it this way. Something was there that made it right, and I went from there. Well, then after I got in, uh, remember, I started college in 1947. This was right after World War II, and most of the um, students were veterans because they were on a GI Bill. Why wouldn't the university take the GI Bill? Mm -hmm. My 47 class was the first one that had high school graduates in it since I believe it was 43 or something like that. And they, the veterans were, they were a lot more knowledgeable. They were a lot more grown up, mm -hmm. you know. And so they were very um, accepting of me, but the professors were not used to it. And I tell this story about my structures professor who, and they're all, you remember, very proper Southern gentlemen with three-piece uh, suits on every day and, you know, and my structures professor, um, they all like to tell jokes. And they, we had textbooks then, not computers, and they had their textbooks highlighted with punchlines to jokes. And he would get three quarters of the way through the joke and realized it was not appropriate. And then we <laughs> get frustrated. And I, I could see that quite frankly, I never have enjoyed structure since, but um, I finally decided to go to him off, you know, after hours mm -hmm. and tell him, I said, um, uh, my grand, my dad's mother was a devout 
baseball fan back in the Cardinal and Browns time. She dragged me up to Sportsman's Park on the bus and, you know, for all of that. Um, sat by her little radio in her sitting room. And when I was over there, she didn't call it babysitting at the time, visiting, um, she would sit by that radio. She had a little rocker I sat in. And I heard more bad words out of my grandmother. Uh, and then she'd say, don't tell your mother and dad. Don't tell your mother and dad. <laughs> so I told the professor that story. And I said, you know, you won't offend me with bad words. I've heard them since I was this big. Um, they'll go right over my head. I won't even flinch. Well, the next day or so, the next time we had a class, he went and told his joke. I didn't flinch and believe it. It turned out he gave me one of the most glowing recommendations when I graduated. And I still to this day don't like structures. <laughs> no, I don't do structures. We have a bridge office that does that. That's funny. So, so those were the obstacles. Okay. All right. So did you like have any like have an advocate um to support and mentor you in your career? I don't think the word advocate was even in the dictionary at that time, <laughs> let alone mentor. You were on your own. No. Not that I'm aware of. I think people did that. We didn't have those fancy names for it because I leaned on a lot of people and still do you know, still, mm -hmm. and do a lot of that for the younger folks. I call it coaching. Yep. Yeah. It's a good word for it. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen a lot of changes in the DOT since you started in regards to women in a male-dominated environment? Yeah. When I first started, I think they had had maybe one or two women technicians, draftsmen, draftspeople. Mm -hmm. Um but they weren't there when I started. And I remember the stories they told me later about when I came in for the interview, they all said, oh my God. And then they realized that I actually had a degree and that was even worse, you know? <laughs> um, but, um, so yes, but I, I tell you what, I tell you all these stories about what, what happened. But the truth of the matter is when you think about it, that was the best training I could have ever had because coming into the workplace and realize I didn't come into the workplace till 29 years later. Mm -hmm. I didn't work for all those years. Yeah. And for that, for MoDOT, whom I've always been and will continue to be grateful to, accepted me under those conditions and gave me a chance being a woman on top of all that mm -hmm. um, was way before diversity and all this other stuff. Um, uh, I, I feel very blessed that, but when they started in harassing or testing me, I was used to it. I'd been through that a couple of times before I didn't flinch and they, and again, the guys warmed up to me very quickly because you do your thing and I'll do mine. Mm -hmm. I was interested in getting caught up with my education and to prove that I could do the work. And that's where I think I got my passion for it. You know, by God's sake, we can do this. <laughs> I love that. So would there be anything you would change regarding your career path at all? Not really. Uh, not, not really, because I always 
Oh, of course, when I was in high school, they tried to convince me girls don't do math and science, and I kept saying, yeah, right, <laughs> whatever, <laughs> you know. I played the piano and the organ. My mother had this fantasy that I should be a one of two things, either a concert pianist or a model. <laughs> or both? For either, either, <laughs> either, neither of which I was well qualified for. Um, so, um, no, I, I just was always interested in uh, math and science. And um, when you start telling me, no, that put the capper on, you know, that, no, you're not supposed to do this. Well, let's see about that. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. so I guess it was um, what do you call a rebellious against society? <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but but anyway, <clears throat> yes, um, no, I wouldn't change anything. Well, if you wouldn't change anything, then uh, if you were to look at your younger version of yourself, would you give that young Shirley any any advice? Yes, <clears throat> I would. <clears throat> In fact, I do, mm -hmm. and have done this. Be sure you have a passion for your work and be sure the work that you're doing is your passion. Set a goal and reach for it. And if you haven't done that, you're never going to be happy. I don't care what you're doing. So if a young woman wants to go into engineering and sets herself a goal and reaches for it, that's my advice. So what accomplishment or experience um, in your career has personally impacted you the most? Well, I started out, as you know, on the ground floor, lower, lowest level with MoDOT and worked my way up um, through the design, designer stage and started working on a job out in Jefferson County on Route M, old Route M, which was a wiggly, squiggly, two-lane road. Um, and uh, from Route 21 to I-55. That's, that's quite a ways. And I started out as a beginner designer on that. There were 11, or, yeah, 11 different contracts involved with, with that length. Uh, and everything you can imagine um, process-wise in it. And I stayed with that project. We relocated Route M, made a four-lane divided highway out of it, and um, did 11 projects. And I started as the beginner designer and ended up as a project manager. So uh, it, was, it was my career. In fact, um, I wrote a paper on that for the Board of Licensure. Um, and it was like, you did what? <laughs> but but that, I still look at that. We're I've been here so long that we're in the process of adding lanes to it now and resurfacing it and all that, you know. Um, but that's my, um, my biggest accomplishment. I mean, I've had literally hundreds of other jobs. Um, I inherited the Washington Bridge on Route 47, the Washington Missouri Bridge over the Missouri, when it was about to go to contract. I mean, those are big ticket items and so forth. 
but nothing lasted ever has lasted as long as that that 11 project so that's, that's my yeah. proudest accomplishment yeah that's, that's definitely something to be proud of yeah yeah it, it's clear that you have a passion for your job and um so what really fuels that passion for you what keeps it going um i think the best way i can explain that is um i'm obviously a problem solver um i'm very team oriented um i i think it takes it takes a team to produce a good product um we have people who are specialists in each one of the fields we need so i think my passion comes from just keeping on cranking out jobs. Mm -hmm. just keep mm -hmm. on keep on going just mm -hmm. keep on going and how long that's going to last only the good lord up above knows but but that's what feels my passion is like and oh i have a lot of german in my background mm -hmm. i'm kind of bored of it. Slow? Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> I didn't pick up on that at all. <laughs> so, yeah, but I've learned, I hope I've learned to push it, but not offend with it. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a very strong, dedicated team of people that we're just like family. We spend more time than we do with our family. It's true. Just, yeah, very, very caring group here. Cool. Yeah. So, so what is your group normally um what are they kind of surprised to know about you is there anything surprising <laughs> about you <laughs> I, I i thought about i've thought about that <laughs> and i think most people would be surprised to know that when i lived in colorado i used to help the ranchers do at branding time oh wow mm -hmm. and that was because my mother's father gave me the love of animals mm -hmm. and uh, horses in the city now, mind you. And um, I was, I've always been, when I was in high school, there was a, a horse trail down close to where I used to go there every day after, after school to where I would clean out the stalls and then I'd get a free trail ride mm -hmm. to the point where they finally said, hey, you want to leave the trail? Sure, fine. But but when we moved to Colorado, my husband knew this about me. He already had a horse for me. So um, I've always loved the horses. And when I moved to the western slope of Colorado, uh, I was known as City Girl. And challenged, again, challenged. <laughs> I, could, I could see that coming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Challenged about the riding. Mm -hmm. And um, if you've never been around a quarter horse, they're miraculously smart and well-trained animals. And one of the ranchers who became, we became very friendly with challenged me one day. Normally, when they do branding, the women go cook and the men, you know. Mm -hmm. And he said, okay, if you can ride my horse, um, you can help us brand. Well, this horse was huge. And he put me up on that horse and told me, he says, all you got to do is hold the rope, hold on to the horn, which is why a Western saddle has the horn, by the way. Mm -hmm. And when the horse pauses, changes his step, 
he dropped the rope and the horse will do the right thing. Sure enough, he says, okay, you're in. Wow. So for several years after that, I helped Brian. I didn't own a quarter horse. I borrowed a quarter horse. Mm -hmm. So then they challenged me again. Rifle was at a fairground and had a county fair mm -hmm. every year. Well, if you know anything about rodeos, and I always went to all the rodeos, of course, um, there's barrel riders and Bronco Tyne, you know, all that. So one of the other ranchers said, um, okay, you've done, you're doing all that helping with the branding now. What about the barrels? I said, what about what them? <laughs> <laughs> well, fair's coming to town. Will you get in the barrel racing contest? I said, I don't have a quarter horse. He said, here, use mine. Wow. So I rode the barrels. No, I didn't win, but I rode the barrels. But you did it. Yeah. yeah. Did any other women so do it? I, I'm not sure that that story has gotten out much around here. <laughs> but I think that's awesome. Yeah. So as I've gotten older, I've probably gotten a little wiser and don't do that stuff anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, um, it's nice to sit down and think about that and relax and just say, well, I used to do it. Mm -hmm. I just don't, I'm smarter now. I don't do it anymore. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, no, thank you for sharing that. That's really, that's a really good story. Um, I noticed that you're wearing a starfish pin and um, I've heard that you wear a starfish pin every day. So would you mind sharing with us what that symbolizes to you? Sure. Um, Back in the late 80s and early 90s, I was fortunate enough to be, MoDOT went into what they call a quality improvement program. And that simply meant at that time, MoDOT was a very top-down organization. Everything came out of Jeff City and, mm -hmm. you know, was no, no employee involvement, quality improvement, employee involvement. Um, I was fortunate to be chosen to be one of the trainers. Um, and I and three other people trained five-day training in this, 22 different places all over the state. Um, and in the beginning of that, to introduce what we were going to be teaching, we showed a um, video. And it was a video of a young man walking down a beach you like the beach. I do. And every <laughs> once in a while, he'd pick up something and throw it back into the water. An older gentleman came down and said, what are you doing? He said, I'm putting these starfish back in the water. He says, that won't do any good. It won't do any good. He said, that won't matter. And he said, it will to them. Mm -hmm. I he said, I can make a difference. That's what this means. I can make a difference. Yeah. If you don't see me wearing this pin, number one, I've forgotten it. As that doesn't happen very often. It mm -hmm. sits right by my toothbrush in the bathroom. Oh. So I know where it is. Oh, and by the way, I have an extra one in the office just in case. There you go. There yeah. you go. But that's what it means. Mm -hmm. And I tell the story to the younger people who don't know about quality improvement. Uh, and they're going, okay, <laughs> you know, but it means a lot to me. And it means a lot now that it's come out through this kind mm -hmm. of 
discussion, uh, it, it started to mean more to everybody here. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. I mean, clearly you make a difference at MoDOT and, and they, they see that. So um, what's the difference that you feel that you make? What, what, what do you feel like you bring to this, the DOT that makes you stand out so much? Institutional knowledge. Yeah, yeah that's great. Institutional knowledge. There's so few of us left around here. And my, my whole aim in, in my career is I don't like secrets. So I like you to know where things are, what I do, how I do it, and why I do it. Uh, transparency. And um, that's what I would recommend to everybody is just be transparent with what you do. But right now, um, for some reason, I can remember job numbers, okay? Mm -hmm. um, and, or if I can't exactly remember the job number, I can remember about when I did it. Now I can go back into the computer and search for that, you know, mm -hmm. and come and people just go, how'd you do that? Well, <laughs> it's age, <laughs> you know. Mm -hmm. um, but as I say, I'm now working on projects that this is the third time around for resurfacing or something. So it's not hard to remember the job numbers when you just keep working on the same stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I, I now work in two areas, two counties, Franklin and Jefferson. So that's a bit of a challenge. It's a large, large, large area to cover. Yeah, lots yeah. and lots of roads. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. So, but it keeps me going. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and when you think about all the projects that you've done, do you, do you drive, uh, you know, take trips or whatever and go, oh, I designed that. Or, yeah. you know, do you, do you ever think of that and, and, or see it and just, just kind of pat yourself on the back, give yourself a little uh, Probably not. <laughs> Probably what I do the most is criticize other people's design, <laughs> uh, especially in other states. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. um, if I'm riding in a car with my children or my daughter, particularly my oldest daughter, um, I'll say, boy, that song all looks trashy. <laughs> or, they haven't updated their car grill. Why are we having an update ours? <laughs> you know, uh, they're not following federal highway guidelines. And just think, will you stop it? <laughs> I'm tired of listening to this. <laughs> I think we all do that. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. all do it now. Yeah. So um, I just keep it to myself anymore, mm -hmm. you know. But um, with the pandemic and getting on in years now, um, I don't do as much traveling as mm -hmm. I used to. And the roads that I drive every day, I'm so focused on the road, I didn't even notice they took a building down two weeks ago. Okay. You know? okay. So, um yeah <laughs> i want to keep my driver's license oh i don't blame you yeah <laughs> <laughs> so circling back to your family um i can only imagine that they're very proud of you so um how are they reacting to the attention that you're getting and what are they saying about this <laughs> well this really wasn't my idea exactly mm -hmm. so when npr came that was the first one you know I didn't say anything about it to my kids. I mean, it's work. It's my life. They know my life. And I didn't say anything about it. But I've known our district engineer for years. Um, like I've known everybody else for years, you know. Uh, and he happens 
to know my youngest daughter through hockey and our kids playing hockey oh, okay. together. And he knows me pretty well. And he, I think, told CR, I was before you, before um, new staff came on, but I think he said, she's not going to tell them when we get a link, we got to, I'll send it to them. So all of a sudden, um, day after I did that interview, um, my son called me and said, what a great interview. I said, where did you hear it? <laughs> oh, Betty sent it. My daughter's name is Betty. Betty sent it to it. How did she know? <laughs> <laughs> so I came down here and I said to the district engineer, whose office is right over there, so you, you ratted on me. He says, yeah, I knew you wouldn't tell anybody. <laughs> So, so, so anyway, yeah. So uh, now I just tell him. And uh, so my son called me and said, this is great. This is really great. He said, um, yeah. And I don't think he even realized the depth of my gratefulness to MoDOT until he listened to that, you know, that, uh, I mean, he grew up, I was working, whatever, you know. So, um yeah, I think they think it's fine now. And then they'll say, um, what do you got on the, who's a, who, who's interview are you doing this week? <laughs> Whatever. I think it's funny. That's great. It's fantastic. I love that people are so interested in your story and you should be proud of that. Yeah. Well, it, it um, I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took a while because to me, it's, like I say, work and life. Yeah. So uh, why are you so interested in our well? And then they start pointing out to me, if you hadn't done Blaze this trail, we don't know where we would have been. So yeah, um, I accept that and I appreciate that. Yeah, and I was actually thinking about that too. Um, at at Women of Asphalt, one of our goals is to obviously bring women into the asphalt industry and um, being male dominated we've seen over the years, the attitudes have shifted and now it's just really more progressive and forward thinking. And we cannot help but recognize the key role that you have played in um, making it that way right here in the state of Missouri for for people like Nicole and me and for future generations. Like you literally and figuratively have paved the road for us. So um, Thank you so much for everything. I, I didn't done. set out to do that, but I'm glad it worked. It's out. amazing. <laughs> We're happy that you've done it. No. Um, thank you so much. All right. Thank you so much for your time. And well, uh, thanks for having yeah. me. It was a pleasure getting to know you. Absolutely. You too. And we are excited to share your story with everyone. Thank you. Thank you.